read the word for today. <coughs> the reading today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 47. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who, were, those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, friends. Um, so good to be here to continue this uh, sermon series on what are the values of our church. And um, just exciting um, to really get to know what is really important to any, every church that you go to. Hopefully, if it's a Christian church, we'll be preaching the gospel and we'll have simil similar vision, vision and mission and values. Um, but that's not always the case. <laughs> we live in a very large world with a very diverse understanding of who and what Jesus is and what the implications are um, to our lives. Um, so this will be helpful for anyone, especially if you're new, to understand really what we're all about. And, um, and I hope that you can stick around. We've already gone through two of our values, and we're on the third value. There are five altogether. And I'm just so excited to be able to, to go through those with you in person and online, if you're with us online. Um, the, the camera always takes a little way off you know, so if you're here in, in person, um, I might look a little different. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's so good to be with you, and I, I'm so happy to see so many friends and so many family um, uh, members, in Christ I mean, um, gathered together this morning um, to hopefully worship our Savior Jesus Christ. I would like to pray for some things, if you could, um, before I begin to expound on this scripture text. I would um, just like to pray for some things. So just bow, let's bow our heads together and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in repentance and faith, trusting in the death and resurrection of Christ for our salvation, for our purpose, life, and hope. 
And God, we come to you because you are the giver of all good things and you tell us to cast our cares on you and to make all our requests known to you. So we ask for the blessing of um, uh, our friend Linda, who's a friend of Robin, Robin Everett. Um, Linda recently passed away, so God, we don't pray for her, but we pray for her family and her friends. We pray, Lord, that, that you would bless them and comfort them as they grieve in this difficult time. God, I pray also that you would bless um, the, the handful of people in our church um, that um, have had surgeries or health issues recently. I think of Bill um, Henricks and Pat Marin and Fran Damaris, um, who uh, I know Fran and Pat had uh, knee surgery, and they're just kind of hobbling around right now, and I just pray that you'd bless them and heal them and take away their pain and just give our brother Bill wisdom as far as the direction with his health as well. Just bless him. God, I, um, I also want to pray, God, for just a special prayer for our school systems and their families. Um, what a difficult time this is for many in trying to figure out how they're going to educate their children and where they're going to go and how they're going to work all those things out. And it's just so complicated and messy and muddy. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Give, give our society a calm and a patience with each other. God, I pray, Lord, that, that we would just understand the nature of of what we're going through together, and it's not helpful to just be mad at each other if you differ in your opinion. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just help us, give us solutions, um, and I pray, Lord, for, for safe medical solutions, too, um, that would be given to us. I pray, God, for um, our church as we aim to serve each other and our, our community um, in Warren and, and outwards um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a time where we can't even really interact too much with people um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be creative and not, um, not neglect our ministry or our call um, simply because it's challenging to find ways um, to, to obey that call. God, we pray now that you just bless our time together tonight, to today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know if you've um, caught, caught this yet. Um, something that, we've been, that, that I've been saying, I, I guess, from time to time in our sermons, we've, we've started kind of putting it on different... Um, items around the church, like our banners and whatnot. But you've probably heard heard me say the statement that our, uh, uh, every life alive, right? Um, to me, every life alive, that sentiment, uh, it's, it's not just a slogan and it's not just a tagline <laughs> for our church. You know, in, in the business world, they teach you to have those things and, you know, like what are, you know, have a, like a catchy phrase that people will remember, by Menon, right? Like, you know, so that people can can identify your brand, right? Like, in um, um, my 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 goal isn't for us to identify our unique refuge brand. Um, my our goal in in that statement is to encapsulate the heart of God. Every life alive isn't just a slogan or a tagline for our church. It is the greater theme of human history and the human heart. It's God's story in creation. You remember it says in Scripture, in the beginning, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils life. And the man became a living being. Our created purpose is life, not death. God created us to be alive. And not only that, according to Scripture, our life is bound up in the breath of God, being breathed into us. God's ruah, that's the Hebrew word for breath, his spirit, 
in man's nostrils. So without God, in other words, we don't live. Without God's abiding, animating presence in us, there is no such thing as life. Our life depends on God's direct, present relationship with us. And that means that to be cut off from God's ruah, his spirit, to be cut off from right relationship with him, we're walking dead. We have physical life, but there's something empty, there's something missing, some core part of us that we're all sort of looking around for but can't find in the next relationship or the next job or the next raise, right? It's because life is not the creation, it's the spirit of God. It's ruah. So every life alive isn't, friends, just a a vague sentiment. It's not an invitation to discover some hidden talent of yours or some personality trait that will make your life happier if you just sort of harnessed its power, right? It's not a, a journey to the right job for you or the right vocation for you. Friends, those are all important things, and I think they contribute to our happiness. But to put those things first, to say that those are ultimate things, that's the creation ruling you, and not you ruling the creation. Every life alive means that you finally come to see yourself by seeing God. You come to see yourself by knowing him and his love and your imitation of him. And if you imitate him, you're going to rule over creation. Creation isn't going to rule over you. You see, God created us to rule over creation, not to be ruled by it. And so many of us see our lives wrapped up in the accomplishments of our lives. But that's the creation ruling us. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move around and along the ground. We are meant to rule over the creation, not be ruled by it. God's intent in creation forms, I hope, what is the vision of our church, that our church and our neighbors would know Jesus and find real life. That's our vision. You'll see it on the screen in a moment. That our church and neighbors would know Jesus and find real life. So you know politics matters, doesn't it? <laughs> right? November 3rd, you guys ready? It's, it's an all-out grudge match. Who's going to win? It's the D's versus the R's. Who's going to come outstanding? Right? Like, I think that politics matter. I think that unborn lives matter. I think that black lives matter and blue lives matter and so on. But friends, I'm a Christian first. And that means for me one thing, that before anything else, Jesus Christ matters. He matters first. And if he doesn't matter first, if something else matters first, the creation is now now ruling me. He is the ultimate matter. And we so chiefly chiefly neglect him so often by our culture and even within our own hearts and in the church. We forget that our problem, our solution, it's not racism, it's not the radical left, it's not the radical right, it's not Trump, and it's not Blexit, whatever the heck that is. 
whatever, whatever, whatever other part of this creation that you think, if, if it were like this, if we tweaked it that way, then everything would be good, is us putting, is us putting the, the creation over the creator. What we need is life. And life comes from the Spirit of God through Christ. That's what we need. The breath of life animating our fingers and our toes and our hearts and our spirits. Do you have that this morning? Do you, have the, do you know the Spirit of God? Do you know the love of Christ? Because without this, all of our solutions are in vain. So every life alive is really about discovering Jesus Christ. And when you discover him, you discover you. It's the life of God in our nostrils, animating us. But there's more to our vision. Okay, that's nice. What's the road? What's the path to this, this life and the experience of it? That our church and neighbors would know Jesus and find real life as we joyfully model grace, serve each other, and share our lives in faith together. You know, friends, <clears throat> there is a way in which God delivers this life to us. And we're not just making up some nice churchy-sounding things to make ourselves feel good, okay? This is the, the model that God gives us in the discovery of Christ and life and the transformation of the world around us for those lost people to come to know Jesus Christ happens as we find real life together within our community, modeling grace to each other, serving each other, and sharing our lives and faith together. See, the idea of life reclaiming people who do not yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior through Christ is realized by what the scriptures instruct and what they value. The, the way in which God animates people to new life in Christ, to understand that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, is is by certain means that he's delivered to us and granted to us to participate in his transforming, life-giving purpose. And that's, these are our, what I hope to be our values. We went over two already. Um, Pastor Joe went over what we call the essential gospel. Um, Pastor Mark last week went over earnest prayer, and this week we're going to go over sincere connection, that one right smack in the middle. And we'll move on in weeks to come an authentic relationship and compassionate mission. Friends, because our vision is for the life of Christ to transform you and to transform people who don't know Christ yet, because that's our, because that's our vision, we value these things. Because we see these things that's tied up in that vision being realized. The Spirit of God works through these things to actually impute to us life, continuing life and power in the Spirit, but also to bring lost people who don't know Christ yet to faith in Jesus. So we, we see these things as the ingredients that, that God gives us to, to spread his kingdom message to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> so again, we've talked about the first two. Today we're going to talk about sincere connection. I want to read to you the full description of what, we're, what, of what we mean by sincere connection. So you can follow along on the screen. It says this, We value our gathering together to worship Jesus and give God glory. We value our, ga our gathering together to worship Jesus. and give, That's what we're doing right now, our gathering together. We value this. 
Not just because it makes us feel good. Not just because it maybe fixes a little problem we might be having. Um, it's, it does that, but it's so much more than that. We are committed to our gathering weekly together as a community of faith, regularly in small groups and privately. We value the local church as the context for Christian living and fellowship as a means for growth in faith and the redemption of God's world. You see, so in other words, our gathering is a tool by which God uses to grow us in our faith as Christians. But not just that. It's also the tool by which lost people who don't know Christ yet see the light of Christ, lived out in our lives, that they might too come to know Christ themselves. You see, it's not just inward, it's outward. It's both. So because of this, consequently, we are committed to three things. The weekly corporate worship of Jesus Christ, our regular gospel community, and our gathering for the redemption of God's world. Okay? So let's start. Let's talk about this a little bit more. What does the word connection mean? It's a simple word. Well, if you just find any dictionary, it will say something like this. It's a relationship in which a person, idea, or thing is associated with something else. So if you have a connection with someone else, you will become associated with that thing. A sincere connection is, uh, uh, sincere means free from pretense or deceit, proceeding from genuine feelings. So in other words, you're not faking it. Yeah, you look great in that color. <laughs> that's pretentious, right? Like, that's not sincere, right? Like, so a sincere connection means that we are free from deceit in our relating to each other and to something else, some other idea or concept, right? Now, these words on their own could apply just about anything. Isn't that true? You might have a sincere connection with your bowling team, right? Like over your love for bowling or your theater crew and your love for acting or singing. And unfortunately, people, I think, come to church, like a place like this, they gather together, whether it's in a building or a basement or a living room, um, to find sincere connection with someone else. Like we're here for friendship, in other words, because I just like the people. So we're here for the exchange of love, affection, or friendship. See, the kind of connection that God calls us to as the local church is not that sort of connection. Their human connection, for, for many of us, a human connection is simply enough. The gathered church, friends, what we do here is not a divine invention simply to, to provide us with company. Okay? We are connecting. Now, hear this. This is important. Okay? I don't very often say deep things on my own. I usually get deep things from other authors. But this might be deep. Maybe you'll disagree. We are connecting not to each other, but together connecting to our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the important distinction there? We are not connecting to each other, but together we are connecting to our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. So essentially, we see our connection to Christ as bound up in our relationship and our common faith with each other. We're here, in other words, what I'm saying, the simple way to say this, we are here to love Jesus. And we know, very simply, that the God, that the God of Scripture calls us to love Jesus together and not, not by ourselves. So we're committed to this. If we are here for any other reason, 
We are not a gathering of God's people, but a gathering of people. See the important distinction? So that's why we turn to Acts chapter 2, because we want to examine what the Bible describes as a sincere Christian connection of God's people. What, it, what does it look like? We're going to look at three things. The kind, frequency, and power of our connection. Okay? So let's look at the kind. Um, when, when we gather on Sunday mornings, or in each other's homes, or over the phone, wherever it might be, what is our connection as God's people over primarily? Now, I connected with Brother Dana in the back there over football this morning. He likes football. I like football. He liked that, that the colors in our foyer um, were matching his love for the dolphins. I don't even know what he's talking about because the dolphins stink. <laughs> he's going to leave. <laughs> right? So, so we connected over that. And that's fine. That's nice. I'm not saying we've got to be weird Christians that never can talk about anything else. But the, the bottom line, though, is, is if I'm a Christian, I'm going to bleed Jesus with other people. I'm going to want to extract from them the Jesus they have. And they're going to want to extract from me the Jesus I have. You see, friends, that's the kind of connection that God calls us to as Christians. You say, well, that's not me. I find it kind of clumsy and awkward. I'm not really there. Well, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but it does, it does mean maybe something's a little off. And I don't say that to be judgmental to you because I've been there. I've been in places where someone starts the Jesus talk with me and I want to change the subject because I'm feeling a little squirmy and awkward. I'm maybe a little bit too concerned with how I'm coming across or if I say the wrong thing, right? I'm not free in my love for Christ to just express it. So something's wrong. That can be fixed, by the way. Walk in the Spirit and you will not desire the things of the flesh. But this is the kind of connection that God calls us to. When, so what do we connect over when we do connect with each other? The kind of connection we ought to have first with God and with each other is first, number one, familial. as It's family-like, in other words. Our text in Acts chapter 2, what did, what did we see? If you were paying attention, it's, it said this. Peter was preaching the gospel to a, a crowd of people, right? He's telling them the good news about Jesus Christ, that Christ was the Savior, God in the flesh. He died for their sins, and if they put faith in him, they, they would be saved and rescued from their sin. So he's speaking to this crowd of unbelievers and skeptics. And the Bible says the crowd was cut to the heart. They repented of their sin, put faith in Christ, and they were baptized. Did you see that? And upon this, Scripture says they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Underline that. Quote, quote it, underline it. 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Added to what number? Friends, they were added to the number of those who were once separate from Christ, who were once blind, who were once God's enemies, who were once in the Gospel of John, sons, children of Satan. Now, this is, these are harsh words, I know, and they might offend our modern, our modern ears, but friends, the Bible teaches that without Christ, we remain in our sin, and we're lost in a system of humanity that is separate from God. But when we put faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven, and we are added to a number. And that number very simply is God's redeemed people. 
And it's not because we were good. It's not because we deserved it or earned it. It's because God saved us by his grace through faith. An undeserved favor. We are added to the family of God. So the kind of connection that we have first as Christians is familial. By faith in Christ, we are family. We are brothers and sisters. Those which were called out of darkness and into light, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, those who were once enemies of God but are now children of God. Jesus told Nicodemus, remember these words, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So we are added to the number of God's kingdom. So friends, the church is not a collection, a gathering, or a connection of just people, of Republicans, or of Democrats, or of Americans, or of Japanese. We are one in Christ, and there is no partiality with God. That means there's neither Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. We're one in Christ. No matter what age you are, no matter how much money you've made, no matter what kind of sinner you've been, we are one in Christ. Our collective identity is as the adopted children of the living God, saved by grace in the redemptive work of Jesus and reconciled, made right with our maker, who is now our friend and not our enemy. Isn't that great? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. See, the kind of connection that we have with God and with each other by faith in Christ is familial. He is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Without that, we are just a connection of people, not of redeemed people. Okay? For us to sincerely connect with each other as Christians, we must be born again. So friends, if you're not born again, you say, how do I be born again? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And when you put faith in Christ, you're born again. The second kind of connection God calls us to, it's familial, but secondly, it's corporate. And that should be kind of implied by the word familial. Family implies there's more than just you, right? (laughs) A family is more than one person. So we have a corporate connection. And I don't mean like businessy. I mean it's more than one, (laughs) okay? We come into connection with God our Father through personal faith, but we never come alone. You see, we have to have faith in Christ. We don't get, we, we're not made right with God because of our grandma's faith or because of our brother's or sister's faith. We're, we're made right with God through Christ because of our faith. See? But when we have faith in Christ, we're, we never come to him alone. 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to the word. They had meals. They were meeting together daily. They were sharing their goods with each other. You see, there was this corporate sense of familial responsibility. See, the kind of connection that God calls us to is not an hour on Sunday morning. It's it's a perpetual desire to see each other, the body of Christ, thrive and be cared for. So it's not an hour on Sunday where you come late and leave early and, and... we see you once maybe next month. Okay, and I know times are different now because of COVID, so I'm, I'll, we can be gracious for each other, but to each other if we're not here all the time, okay? We, I get it. But the point is not so much how much you're here, but your heart for each other. You see, you can be here every week, but your heart's not here. The, a love for God and for his people maybe is lacking. 
but they devoted themselves to prayer, to the word, to meals, to meeting together. God didn't just save me, and he didn't just save you, friends. He saved us. And he calls us to join together in our worship of Jesus Christ. The people of God, we were not intended to study our Bibles alone. We were not intended to pray alone, to eat alone, to love alone, to supply for our own needs alone. See, if, any, if Acts chapter 2 teaches us anything, is that our faith is a communal one. It's a corporate one. It's one of mutual responsibility and commitment. You see? These were baptized and incorporated into the believing community. And what I think the word baptized means here is I believe that baptism is an identification with the death and resurrection of Christ, but it's an, also an identification with God's people. That's why we, when we baptize people here, we do it in the presence of God's people. Because God's people and the person being baptized are acknowledging that familial connection by faith, right? For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 13, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all were made to drink of one spirit. So friends, the kind of sincere connection we are called to is simply this. It is familial and it is corporate. But there are two more things I want to talk about before we move on here. It's also upward and outward, okay? Upward and outward. Let me explain to you what I mean by upward. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what's that? It's the Bible. It's the word of God. Okay? Because we know in other places that the apostles' teaching is called inspired or breathed out by God. So they were devoting themselves essentially to the word. So they weren't devoted them, they weren't first devoting themselves to a bowling league or a social club where, where they could just build friends and have community. They came together to know God better. That's why they were there. By knowing the word, they would know each other and they would know themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, to, and everyone was filled with awe and all the believers were together and they were glad with sincere hearts praising God. God. You see, their collective vision and purpose was to praise the living God through Christ. That's the kind of connection. It was upward. It was worship. So being together wasn't the end in itself. You can be together and not be worshiping God. Praising God together was the objective. And these devoted themselves to each other for the purpose of knowing God, being filled with his spirit, and being in awe at his power and glory and grace and his salvation. You see, that's why they came together, because God had done something for them. And they wanted to remind each other of what it was. They wanted to make sure that their ideas about God weren't just made up or given to them by culture, so they devoted themselves to the scriptures. They tested what they believed, or what they thought was, was true, about life, about themselves, about God, through the word of God. And so should we. So it was upward, it was worship to God, but it was also outward. It says in verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, so we don't just come together and worship God and leave each other in, in our misery or our discomforts or displeasures. 
We're there to provide for, help lift up each other in our times of need. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So in our connection, or if, excuse me, if our connection is a gospel connection, it's not just going to center around a knowledge of the word. It begins there, but it extends out to our compassion for one another in providing generously for each other's needs. So if we know, for example, someone can't can't pay their rent because they just lost their job, and I found out, I'm not going to ask them if they need help because what do we all say when we need help? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just going to pay it for them. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them extravagantly as best as, best as I can with, with what God has given me. We're going to be outward. Not just upward, but outward. So if our connection is really a gospel connection, we're going to start sacrificing, serving each other in ways that actually help each other with our needs. This is the kind of connection that we value. But what of the frequency? How often do we got to do this? Christmas and Easter, right? Like once a week, once a month? Come on, just give me a number. It reminds me of like when young people say how, you know, if a lot of times when you're, when you're Christians and you're young, you're like, how far is too far? Can we kiss? Right? Like, can we make out? That's a little different. That's a little less like passionate. Kiss. I don't, I need to draw you a picture. Right? Like, so what, what can I do and not do? Just tell me. <laughs> so you're not really, like, where's the heart, though? Where's the heart in that? You see, it's not so much about, like, give me a number so that I can just follow the rule. You, you see, Mark had a great illustration last week about romance and about love. You know, like, when you, when you get into a new relationship with, with a boy or a girl when you're young, you don't say, well, how often do I have to call you? <laughs> like, really, like, how, many, how often do we have to speak? You don't even think like that. You just do it because you're bleeding it. Isn't that true? Scripture reminds us of the priority of life together and connection in Christ. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Why did they do that? Was it because the Bible commanded them to? No. The Bible didn't give them a law that said that you have to meet every day. They wanted to. They wanted to talk about Jesus to somebody. They loved him. They wanted a fellowship around him and learn more of Scripture together. You see, it's not so much the the quantity, but the quality, the heart. And that's going to move us to, to more frequent encounters of connection over Christ with people. When our heart is just kind of beating for Jesus, you won't, you won't have to ask the question, how much do I need to do this? Did I fill my quota today? Right? We're told in Acts chapter 20 and 1 Corinthians 16 that the church gathers regularly on the Lord's day weekly to worship God. Right? But every day they met together too. Because it wasn't a quota that they were trying to fill. It was a heart that they were aiming to express. It identifies a seer desire, a sincere desire for the continual worship of Jesus. Oh, do you want to worship Jesus? Like, do you want to worship him daily? Do you think about it daily? Now, it's okay to think about, I got to build my shed, or I got to paint it. You're not thinking about Jesus. I'm not talking about weird stuff like that. But I am talking about, like, does your heart just go back to him? 
sort of naturally because of your love and affection for him. And might I suggest to you that if it doesn't, if you've lost your first love, that you can get it back. You can go to him on your knees and ask for it back, and he'll give it to you. You see, friends, we want sincere connection around Christ, not forced, not pretended. Yeah, praise the Lord, brother. Right? You're just kind of saying things because you don't want people to think that you don't love God. Right? That's not sincere. That's pretentious. We don't want to fake our Jesus talk just to fit in, to impress maybe someone that we think is kind of holy person or something. There's more to it than this. The heart that sort of beats with Jesus to frequently meet over our love for him. We see that kind of connection, that it is con- the kind of connection, the frequency of it, but also that lastly, let's talk about the power of it. There is power in what we're doing right now, and it might not be apparent to you. You might not see it all the time. Sometimes I don't see it, and I for- or I forget it. But there is power in the, in, in the gathering of God's people together. Even in this moment, in this hour that we set aside to worship our Savior Jesus Christ, Peter, let me remind you, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. The church, the collective people of God, has the gift of the Spirit. You say, well, that sounds really churchy and weird, and I don't know what that means. It means that you have the presence of God, and therefore the power of God. That's what we have in this moment. As we gather together in this room, or any room for that matter, we have the power of the living God at our, uh, at, to, to be used, um, that he, excuse me, he's using us. That power can be used through us to transform people's lives. It's available. It's there. It's present. You don't need a second blessing. You just need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to walk with God. And that blessing will be second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth. It will be there. Oh, friends, come to God collectively together by faith and watch his power and what it can do. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And you know what God did? He added to their number daily. People came to see the light shining, of the, the, the light of their fellowship and in their worship and their transformation. That's what would happen. So, friends, the power of our sincere gathering and connecting around Christ as God's church is the filling of God's spirit and the salvation of the lost. See, that's what happens when we take seriously our fellowship together. People start getting saved. It just happens. And isn't that a wonderful thing to see when it does happen? You know what, you know what um, Jesus said in Matthew 5? You are the salt of the earth. It's a funny thing, though, that word you, because that word you in Greek is you plural. It's not you, Kyle, are the salt of the earth, or you, Tracy, or you, Ramon. It's you, plural. You people. My body. You are the salt of the earth. You all are the salt of the earth. The gathering of God's people, when we devote ourselves to the word of God, to prayer, to worship, to love, that's the saltiness. That's the light in life. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds 
and glorify your Father in heaven. Your, you plural. Let them see your collective good deeds. Your collective light will shine. Acts chapter 4. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They spoke the word of God boldly. See, friends, a sincere connection around the gospel of Jesus Christ produces power that transforms lost people and gives them life, every life alive. Malachi chapter 3, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Right? This is the God's people getting together. In, in the earlier parts of Malachi chapter 3, that there was another group of people saying, where's God? What is he doing? He blesses the evil. Let's just forget God and do our own thing. That's the, the context of Matthew cha- Malachi chapter 3. But in verse 16 it says, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. They said, no, we're going to commit to our God. We trust him. And the Lord listens and he heard a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord. You see, friends, when we, ca- when we sincerely connect around the gospel and trust him together, God sees. And a scroll of remembrance is written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On that day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession and I will spare them and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Friends, when we get together and say yes to God and when we believe him, a distinction is made between us and the lost. And you know what God does with that distinction all over the Old Testament? And then Pharaoh knew that, the, that, that Yahweh was the Lord so that all the Egyptians might know that I am the Lord over and over again. God would protect Israel to make a distinction between his people and the lost. And why would he make that distinction? So that the lost would become joined to his people. That's why the distinction is made, friends. That's the power of our connection in Christ and our gathering in Christ. So when, if we sit alone with our faith and we don't do anything with it, we don't have any meaningful fellowship with each other, this is not a pitch for you to join our church. Go somewhere else. It's okay. Listen, I want you to stay. That, that's not intended to sound rude. Okay? I love you, and, and I want you to stay. This is not a pitch for you to come to our church. It is a pitch for you to love the Lord Jesus Christ and be joined to his people. Anywhere that you find them, whether they're in a basement, in Nigeria, or in a weird kind of warehouse room in Warren, Rhode Island. Be committed to it, friends. Love each other. You see? And watch what God does with our lives. Let me close um, by saying this. We value our gathering together to worship Jesus and give God glory. We are committed to our gathering weekly together as a community of faith, but also in small groups and privately together on our own. We value the local church, our gathering, as the context for Christian living and fellowship as a means for growth in our faith and in the redemption of God's world so that we are committed to our corporate worship of Jesus Christ weekly, 
our regular gospel community, and our gathering for the redemption and salvation of God's world. I want to um, read one more thing to you. It's a quote from Dr. John Stott. He says this in his commentary on the book of Ephesians in a section of it. He's talking about the importance of the church or our gathering, God's people. He says this, If the church is central to God's purpose, as seen in the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. How dare we push to the circumference what God has placed at the center? No, we shall seek to become responsible church members, active in some local manifestation of the universal church. We shall not be able to acquiesce in low standards which fall far short of the New Testament ideals for God's new society. Whether mechanical, meaningless worship services or fellowship which is icy cold and maybe even spoiled by rivalries. Or such inward-looking isolationism is to turn the church into a ghetto, indifferent to the outside world and its pain. If instead we keep before us the vision of God's new society as his family, his dwelling place, and his instrument in the world, then we shall constantly be seeking to make our church's worship more authentic, its fellowship more caring, and its outreach more compassionate. In other words, we shall be ready to pray, to work, and to suffer in order to turn the vision into reality. I hope that we can do that together as we sincerely connect our common faith to worship Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask you for help. We ask you that we would have hearts that love Christ, that bleed for him, that long for his word and prayer, and that you would lead us to come together with our common faith to share in God's word, in prayer, in service to each other. And God, that a, a watching world would see that light, taste its saltiness, and come to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for our family members and friends, co-workers that don't know you yet. I pray, God, that we would invite them into our homes, invite them into our worship area here, so that they might know Christ. I pray, God, that we would know each other, that we would connect well with each other. God, that we would invite each other to each other's homes, call each other on the phone, think of each other, and pray for each other, provide for each other's needs. God, use us to that end. Help us to be a vibrant and lively community of faith. God, we love you, and we also ask, Lord, if there's anyone else here that does not know Jesus Christ, if you've not put saving faith, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, would you call out to God in repentant faith? Would you tell him to declare your faith and trust in Christ? Just acknowledge in your heart that you're a sinner. Turn from it and trust that Christ, the God-man, died and was risen to deal with that sin. And that God's justice for sin was satisfied at the cross. Trust in that, friend and you'll be saved too, and you'll have life. God, we love you. We ask that you now bless the rest of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, we're just going